Welcome to Truth Jihad Audio Video. I'm Kevin Barrett, talking to the most interesting folks with the most interesting outside-the-box, suppressed, ignored, or derided information that you really should know about. I'm talking today with Carl Golovin. He's been a 9-11 Truth colleague going way back. So, Carl, I'll let you briefly introduce yourself, and then we're going to uh, look at your questioning of Seymour Hirsch. So, but first, tell us sort of who you are and how you came to be interested in these issues. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Well-retired Special Agent, U.S. Customs, uh, left the government in 2007, then worked as Security Director at Ron Paul's 2008 campaign. I had been a secondary 9-11 responder specifically among internal affairs agents assigned to sift the finer rubble of World Trade Center 7 at Fresh Kills Landfill. And in more recent years, I've gone to a lot of think tank events in D.C. to raise the question of false flag terrorism and about 9-11, World Trade Center 7 uh, evidence in particular, just to keep it you know, out there in the public discourse in D.C. Uh, uh, it's certainly far- worthwhile. <laughs> well, it's... It's a fun thing to do around the Washington area. It was a bit of a dry spell during COVID when, uh, and Brookings Institute institution still has not allowed anyone without uh, a Vax ID to go back into their new events. But I digress. Uh, last night was uh, an event at the National Press Club sponsored by a, a group called the Committee for the Republic. Uh, a gentleman named John Henry, who's from a financial uh, services background. He organizes a group that... Uh, generally focused on constitutional issues. And we have an interesting speaker once a month, sometime at, I think it's called the Cosmopolitan Club in DC, where John is able to reserve space. But this time they're expecting a larger crowd. So uh, Seymour Hirsch was the invited speaker there at the National Press Club. And interestingly, I had, he had spoken at an event about two to three years ago, also sponsored by Committee for the Republic, uh, where I first raised with him the question, why doesn't anyone discussed or why won't he report on World Trade Center 7? And at the time, uh, I don't have a video of that, but uh, he gave a a longer explanation for uh, not doing so. And I I just tried to revisit that last night with him. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, let's go ahead and look at that. I'll share the screen, make sure the sound is on. And here's our video. Uh, Seymour Hirsch, uh, this is your question to him about Nord Stream. He's gonna talk about Nord Stream. And then the vicinity, uh, a lot of them, but not at the end. All right, there we go. So uh, I'll answer questions. This is, you know, my, um, um, I'll answer, I won't talk about sourcing because, you know, so I was at a restaurant yesterday and somebody from, somebody, somebody in the, came up and said, who's the source? You know, uh, that's not going to happen. So go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Just speak. Charges still. The, there are presumably are demolition charges from the one pipeline that was not destroyed. Would not those uh, obviously lead back to uh, the, if, the perpetrators? If we went and did it, if we went and got the, the C4 or whatever it uh, was. Whoever may may have them. Um, uh, here's the but, problem. So, secondarily, just briefly, so you may answer both questions. Well, let, me, I, let me just answer the first yes, one sir. first. Um, you always plan for everything. And for example, about OSINT, they put out all, they could have, if they wanted to, the people running this, to take care of the OSINT people, they could have had the Japanese fleet in 1941 coming down to, uh, to bomb um, um, uh, Pearl Harbor. They could have done anything they wanted. They could have painted any scene for the people that monitor it, which is, uh, it's hard for people to, to in OSINT to accept that, but it's, they're, they're part of the cover. 
And so they would have thought, if you remember the story I wrote, it was supposed to happen in June. He said no. He bailed out. He was afraid he'd be named then. And they had three more months. And the problem they worried about was, you know, it's low frequency. As you know, high frequency in water burns out. Low frequency is really like this. Like when kids, remember, knock, 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 knock. Um, that's what it is. And there's always a chance. There's so much, so much traffic and so much low frequency noise of popping it. And also there was a worry about just being there that long, you know, and, and still being viable. I don't know what happened with one of it, but I assure you the people involved thought of every option, which in other words, there was nothing there that would be traceable. It was all standard stuff. They used the, the, the sonar devices they used were off the shelf, made by Raytheon. The, the one they dropped in the trigger, it was all off the shelf. They, they had to know what you're doing. And the miners involved, uh, I'll tell you how many there were, two. And it's from the mine command. And the mining command in the Navy is not a high-end command, but those guys are amazing. They're assigned to almost every task force around the world. They, as I wrote, they do good things. They clear harbors. They, they get rid of damage, you know, where where the where the where the bombs took place was off um, um, an island in uh, World War II that the Nazis controlled, and there was tremendous stuff in, on the bottom all over. That's one question. So they, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't asked anybody specifically a question, but I know they 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 had a list of all the things that could go wrong. So and that would be it, leaving stuff there that would be traceable. And this is very brief, briefly a follow-up to a question I asked you at your last uh, Committee for the Republic event. I was a uh, secondary 9-11 responder as a U.S. Customs agent, uh, specifically sifting the rubble of World Trade Center 7, an right. anomaly which refutes the official narrative of 9-11. Tucker Carlson just appeared on the show Redacted, and he went, spoke about World Trade Center 7 and asked, why, why is it we can't talk about the way that building came down, that it doesn't fit mm -hmm. uh, any uh, official narrative and uh, i would ask you to please uh follow up on that thank you well uh, uh, half the mail i get is about 9 11 again and the other half is about the jfk assassination so you know it's just i mean i don't know where do you begin so building seven is 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 a big hot wire for a lot of people i can't you know i'm happy with my little conspiracy now that i'm into what are you really going to get i just There you go. I'll take it. I promise I'll read it. It's given me. I'll, I promise I'll read it. I'll read all that stuff. I will tell you. No problem. I will tell you that if this is you or he. Yes, sir. I will tell you that there is stuff. I'm going to write about something. There is stuff that has has not been released by the uh, the Warren Commission, and it it's really scary what they what they did. Some of the stuff they withheld. It's a great story. I'm not ready to write it yet. I'm too busy with this other one. I'm going to stick with this one. I'm going to stick with this one because the Biden game is to wait it out and never say yes. I, I, not only because there's down the road incredible, uh, there is, there's, I did a lot, a lot of reading about law, law of the sea, and there is no statute now that specifically deals with destruction of a pipeline. There's a lot of statutes going back to 1884, and there was a treaty we signed that was, that was augmented in 1898. We signed it about if you, if you inadvertently or overtly cut a telegraph line. And then there's a lot of stuff that was done after we started putting coaxial cables and all, these, all, the, all the stuff we do, all the communications we now have. There's, there's 
there's law about that. There's not, and there's a movement among one, some committee in, in the uh, uh, Bar Association Committee to get some law written that's accepted on actually destroying a pipeline. But there's certainly an awful lot of, 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 of um, law about uh, responsibility for breaking something. So I think that's one issue. But that you've got enough. We can, you can grab me later. Okay, no, so bless me, are you kidding? As you as you cut okay. above the very end there, he said, uh, "Blessings, I, I don't need blessings. I need police protection." <laughs> <laughs> he, pr he probably would really need police protection if he if if he uh, if he got into uh, uh, the nine eleven and uh, and so on. Well, it's interesting that he's not. He, it's it's interesting that he's not denying. Uh, that you know, he's not repeating the obligatory anti-conspiracy theory pablum. No, and he he uses the term hot wire. He says W World Trade Center Seven is a hot wire issue for a lot of people. You know, I don't know how to take that. I, As I if think we're the demolition... hotly wired for demolition. Yeah. Hey, no, I thought I thought the demolition electronics were probably wireless rather than hot uh, hot you would wired. Think. You would think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but maybe but they're worried about rumbles from you know other sources, low frequency vibrations that might have set off the demolition of the trade center early, just like with Nord Stream. Who knows? <laughs> That's of course well, uh, yeah, speculation. No, I, I, I had to relinquish the the event's official microphone uh, at the moment, where he had he had just brought up. He mentioned that half of his emails are about the Kennedy assassination, and I had brought with me to give to him the book by Lawrence Guineau, "The Unspoken Kennedy Truth," which I find just a uh, invaluable text and i had it in an envelope and i uh you can barely hear on that recording i i offered to him and he invites me to come up and hand it to him he of course he says he promised to to read the proposition to read it i hope he'll write a review of it uh i think laurent would much appreciate that well that, that would that would be a real breakthrough and if, if he did i would of course uh be the first in line to invite uh, laurent and cy hirsch on the radio to talk about that um that might be hoping for a lot but who knows uh, my my sense is that his take on 911 and perhaps to some extent JFK it's not all that unlike let's say Amy Goodman's who has basically weaseled out of any questions about her witnessing the demolition of building 7 she certainly doesn't deny that it was a demolition uh or you know say anything bad against those of us who have been investigating it but what she told me was uh you know i'm really glad you're the one who's doing this issue kevin and and then she told a friend of mine uh when he kept hammering her about 9 11 are you trying to get me killed so i think these people know that going after 9 11 if you know if they don't have a way of really breaking the story fully with inside information or something like that or even if they did it would be incredibly dangerous but it's dangerous to their careers and perhaps to their physical security to uh to to raise it in a way that's going to get a lot of attention i think they just know that so they're not going to go there unless they have a really good reason to because they want to do all these other projects that they're doing perhaps so and and well even myself i i I don't want to be disinvited from Committee for the Republic events. Uh, otherwise, I probably wouldn't have hesitated to more succinctly ask, uh, were it Zionist interests, both foreign and domestic, uh, at the roots of both the Kennedy assassination and 9-11 in the first instance because of Kennedy's opposition to Israel getting nuclear weapons, that he uh, ordered the Israeli lobby to register as foreign agents based on Senate Foreign Relations Committee recommendations, and he insisted the 800,000 or so then displaced refugees be allowed to return to their homes uh, in Palestine slash Israel. And of course, in the 9-11 case, 
as Christopher Berlin, I think, just marvelously describes in some of his uh, videotaped lectures that are available that, uh, you know, 9-11 was meant to kickstart the Israeli construct, the Yanon plan, the global war on terror, which basically means using the U.S. to destroy any potential future adversary to a, a greater Israel. And mm-hmm. now, if I'd gotten that question out, uh, I might be looking for police protection. Or actually, once the question is asked, uh, maybe one's safer after it's been asked and it's already out there. But yeah. I, I, I joke. I, I say that just in jest, really. A lot of us have been raising these issues for years and have most of us have survived, I think. I don't know. Michael Collins Piper's death may have been haste a little bit by nefarious activities. I don't know. Uh, but of course, he, he was really the pioneer. On, uh, on on raising this issue around JFK. Yes, and uh, his book, though, uh, Final Judgment, is a difficult read, and I, I think uh, Lawrence has done a great service, uh, in fact, dedicating uh, the unspoken Kennedy truth to the memory of Michael Collins Piper uh, by creating a readable, concise uh, analysis. And I do hope Seymour Hirsch will uh, read it. I. I went up to him afterwards, and I, I actually the, the the book I wish I'd had with me to give him about nine eleven would be uh, would have been Christopher Boleyn's The War on Terror, subtitled Plot to Rule the Middle East. It's a very concise text that brings up the you know plan, uh, yeah, initiated by Netanyahu and uh, like minded people back in the late seventies. I suppose I didn't have a copy available to also put in the envelope for uh, Mister Hirsch, but uh, he he didn't allow that he had a P.O. box or someplace I could send it. And I, I do have his email. After the, the last Committee for the Republic event in 2019 or so, we exchanged a couple of follow-up emails. I'll, I'll have to pull those up and see if there's anything of interest. I could forward uh, a print uh, PDF of that conversation to you. But uh, I intend now to send him an email with uh, links to uh, Assassination of the Kennedy Brothers, which is Laurent uh, Guineau's uh, documentary version of his book, as well as perhaps a couple of the best lectures by Boleyn, uh, and challenge him to uh, connect all the dots, which he he certainly is, uh, Seymour Hirsch is, is very good at. Indeed he is. And, and of course, these recent uh, issues of the pipeline demolition by the Biden administration, and then the one that really no investigative journalism has been done about the best thing is ron unz's book which is the likelihood that covid was launched by a u.s biotech on china both of those two uh massive scandals i think are comparable to 9-11 and jfk in terms of their uh large impact as horrendous crimes of the national security community but in those two cases it seems to me that U.S. imperial interests, rather than purely Zionist interests, you know, would have been in the driver's seat, and that leads to the remarking that there's been a kind of an unholy convergence between the radical Zionists on one hand uh, and the most extreme element of the U.S. national security state on the other, and that these two side they kind of identify their own interests uh, with each other's, and I think that that's why with with 9/11 and JFK we have to keep in mind that it's not just the Zionists, but there's also an element in the U.S. national security state that had no use for Kennedy's uh, peacenik proclivities, as the book by James Douglas points out. And likewise, with 9-11, there is an element of these. some of these neocons may actually believe that mobilizing the national security state through a national emergency like 9-11 was something that would be good for the U.S. empire. 
I mean, it's pretty stupid to believe that, but uh, I'm convinced that some of them are that stupid. Well, I, yeah, I suppose there's been probably a convergence of interest or maybe a, a contest of sorts between those who believe the world uh, is to be ultimately and forever governed from the old Jerusalem versus the new Jerusalem, yeah. um, uh, or perhaps both. Um, and I, I wonder the extent to which even our, uh, well, intelligence entities from very early on, from inception or even <laughs> their predecessor entities were of that mind. Uh, in particular, well, in reading some of Lawrence's work and elsewhere, I pondered whether at what point the Roman Catholic Church may have been co-opted as controlled opposition for the Pharisees, really, and mm-hmm. uh, and their uh, you know, adherents, uh, well, since Vatican II, where the Pope decreed that Roman Catholics should henceforth view all Jews as their brothers, and you know they're all on the same sheet of music, they're all well, they're working towards the same objectives. There was just a meeting a, a month or so ago. The World Jewish Congress held its first meeting ever in 2000 years at the Vatican with Vatican officials to, I think, cement the bonds, you know, bonds meaning, uh, well, ties to between the Roman church and, and uh, leaders, the leadership of uh, Judaism. But very briefly, I want to interject uh, that uh, Tucker Carlson having come out saying, what about World Trade Center 7? Why is it we're not allowed to talk about that building falling down in a way that didn't seem quite right? Um, maybe you should ask, we should ask more questions about all those things we're not allowed to ask questions about. I just wanted to mention, uh, as Ron Paul's security director back in 2008, uh, I standardized our transportation in every city we went to using a Dodge or Chrysler minivan. It was simply the most low-key, functional way to move around our core team of about half a dozen people. And in Nevada, Tucker Carlson, you know, young journalist, actually joined us on a, a trip that was at least four four hours, maybe six hours, uh, driving across Nevada, and he, he later wrote, whatever we're spending money on, it's not exotic transportation, commenting on our minivan, but I, I did explain to him my World Trade Center 7 experience as a customs agent, and to some degree what, uh, I think it was Dr. Stephen Jones had by then uh, revealed about uh, nanothermite being used as a uh, yeah, material for cutting the steel in uh, all three of the towers. Yeah, it's residue being found in the dust, and uh, by way of explaining the molten still, steel or molten iron still in the, uh, at the foundation level of those buildings uh, several months later. So yeah, Tucker, uh, I'm sure something more recently has prompted him to think about World Trade Center 7 again, but I get a kick out of the idea that I, uh, at the time, he wasn't willing to go there. He, his defenses were uh, up pretty firmly about uh, questioning the official narrative at that point. I get the sense he may have undergone an evolution, having discovered some of uh, these uh, red pill issues along the way and and learning how strongly supported by evidence they are. Uh, His paradigm may have shifted a little bit, you know, with Jeffrey Epstein and, uh, you know, all of uh, the 2008 bankster swindle and the kinds of stuff we talk about in this radio show. You know, Tucker Carlson may have noticed some of that. And I I think, as I recall, I, I remember him saying something uh, on his show, a sort of a, a mini monologue about the uh, the fact that he's kind of been red-pilled. I think that that was maybe five years ago or something. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he actually didn't uh, understand the 9-11 issue when he took that ride with you, and that maybe now he does a little bit more. And uh, interestingly enough, in the interview Tucker recently did of a man named Ed Dowd, D-O-W-D, I believe it is, who's written a book... Uh, 
about the uh, excessive deaths that are appearing in our country and elsewhere around the world tied to the uh, COVID shot. And he says uh, 40% above you know, the normal rate of deaths one would expect. And he says 10% would be a once in 200 year event. 40% is just way off the charts. But when he's talking with Tucker, uh, Tucker asked him, do we have any statistics out of Israel on that? Which was interesting because, of course, Israel supposedly has the most, uh, the tightest medical uh, DNA records on their entire population of any country. Uh, Dowd said those records aren't yet available, but available. Of course, one doesn't know. You know different uh, batches of the vaccine in different areas had different effects, or who knows whether, uh, you know, what the results might have been out of Israel. But it was interesting that uh, Tucker asked about that specifically. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it does look to me like if there is an issue of these excess deaths, it looks like it probably varies quite a bit from place to place, perhaps from batch to batch. And then, of course, there could be other factors involved as well. Uh, but again, yeah, that's one I don't expect to see the uh, hardcore version of that on Tucker's show or any other mainstream outlet anytime soon. OK, well, I think we've covered most of this. Uh, anything to add on your uh, that was a really brilliant intervention with Seymour Hirsch. Well, you're very kind. I. Uh, what do you think? Should I have should I have thrown the fastball over the plate and asked him about uh, whether a Zionist foreign and domestic uh, perpetrated both JFK and 9-11? Or I think he would have just uh, walked the other way. But uh, mm -hmm. so I, I sort of eased into it. Uh, with yeah, no, I think that's better. I think, I think you did very well. And now that he's got that uh, Lauren Guyanel book, uh, hopefully down the line, if he actually does read it, as he promised, maybe your next intervention could uh, go at least, uh, you know, partway, maybe halfway plus to uh, to the, the issue of Zionism and its relationship to these coups d'etat in the United States. Well, I could ask him at least about the quote from Gino's text attributed to the autobiography of the uh, one of the attorneys used by Jack Ruby, Jacob Rubenstein, when he told his attorney verbatim, that uh, he did it, killed Oswald, to uh, prevent there being a, America, a pogrom of American Jews over anger concerning JFK's assassination, which that's a remarkable statement. It is. Well, Ruby made a lot of remarkable statements, uh, and, and they actually go in a lot of different directions. I mean, the one thing we, we can we know is that the, <laughs> something, you know, something is really rotten in Denmark. I mean, just the live footage that people saw that day of Jack Rub Jacob Rubenstein, a.k.a. Jack Ruby, a Mickey Cohen's bagman and hitman, <laughs> walking through a parting Red Sea of Dallas police officers in a miraculous act and raising his gun and blowing away the alleged lone assassin. All this on live television, what, two days later? I mean, uh, whatever you, however you interpret Ruby and all of the various things that he said and then his sudden death from apparent fast-acting cancer and on and on and on, uh, you would have to be unbelievably naive not to notice that there's obviously been a coup d'etat just based on what is known of Ruby's involvement. Maybe we could ask, or would agree with uh, asking Seymour Hirsch to uh, to dictate the audio book of uh, The Unspoken Kennedy Truth. <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's the, that, that's the best his, leading. Yeah. That's his penance for having not uh, connected all the dots earlier. Right. Well, you know, he he does say pretty clearly in this intervention with you and then elsewhere that he's he focuses on his investigative 
pieces. So he starts developing a piece, like some source contacts him and says, hey, you know, I was part of the team that blew up Nord Stream. You want the story? And boom, he's, he's going to just drop everything else and, and grab onto that like a pit bull. And likewise with his other stories, he's very monomaniacal in the way he fo stays focused on one issue. Uh, like including Ben Laden's alleged assassination, which he he proved that the official version of that is total nonsense. Uh, so, but when he's he, so as an investigative reporter, he focuses on these stories that he's doing, and he's not interested in running around looking at the 500 other examples of uh, knavery in high places. He's interested in sticking with the story that he's doing. So, like he said, he's, he's now he's working up a JFK story. Maybe that will actually go somewhere, and, and maybe his reading your book will lead to um, some progress. So let's, uh, you know, say, say inshallah, keep our fingers crossed, or whatever we do, uh, and hope that uh, that this leads to something big. And it could. You never know. Absolutely, and, and perhaps uh, well, there are yet people with nine eleven uh, familiarity who, uh, if they see Seymour Hersh talking at all about 9-11 or World Trade Center 7, maybe uh, they'll feel they can approach him in confidence and they'll be protected as he protects all his other sources. It would be great if we had a, a demolition whistleblower manage to get in touch with Cy Hirsch and uh, and blow his mind, uh, as it were. It's like they blew the, blew the towers. Well, okay, thank you, Carl Calvin. I'm going to uh, cut it off here so we can have a nice, short, succinct YouTube uh, that will be, of course, shadow banned there. So it may go viral on Rumble. We'll do our best. Uh, keep up the great work, and I look forward to hearing from you if and when you get back in touch with Hirsch for a follow-up on this. Thank you, Kevin. Okay. Take care, Carl. You too. Bye-bye.